Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Welcome to episode 149 of the Bobbycast here with Tennille Towns. Um, and by the way, I know you're a big Tom Douglas fan, right? I am, yes. He wrote The House That Built Me that Miranda sang. One of my favorite songs of all time. He's done one of these before for an hour. For an hour. Yeah, you should go back and check that out. It, I totally will. It's That's really, really good, cool. huh? It's really good, yeah. Yeah. What did he... This just... And we're not... I mean, I guess we're kind of promoting a past episode, but what did he write? What else did he write? He had a really good story about... Was it when Lady Annabelle came to his house? Yeah. And uh, they sat around the piano and they yeah. would all run, run, run to you. you. Yeah. Man. And how they all just kind of, it's good. I was thinking about, because I knew you were coming over. I was like, Aww. God. And I'm a big fan. You, that's one of your favorite songs, huh? The House That Built Me? Yes. It really is. I Every time I hear it, whether it's like the intro coming on the radio or I've heard her do it in her show night after night. And it's like every time it takes me back to my childhood house and makes me weepy. <laughs> yeah, isn't it crazy how some songs you hear and they actually like either speak to you or for you? Yes. And I, that didn't happen to me until probably, you know, my mid-20s where I started to go, oh, these songs are actually saying how I feel. It was the first time I'd ever heard a song. The one for me was uh, John Mayer, Stop This Train. And I would mm. hear that song and I would go, oh, he sings for what I'm thinking. Right. And it was the first time a songwriter had ever actually said words that I felt. Wow. And that's when it all started to shift for me going, oh, there are now people that kind of understand how I feel singing. And for me, it was, it was John Mayer. It's funny that you say that you hear that song and you think about, you know, going back home. Who, yep. who are the other songwriters that you, you hear and go, oh man, like that's, that's some real stuff. Laurie McKenna. Yeah. I got to see her play around at the Bluebird when I first pulled into town to move here. Flukily got a seat and I'll never forget sitting there watching her. And I had known her name and known her songs because I'm kind of like a lyric book freak. And I had obsessed over all my favorites were always hers on these records. And uh, I really, this, that it really hit me. And I went home and like completely went through her whole catalog and collection. And 
I have still like three of her CDs in my six CD truck. So I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, Patty Griffin is oh, another yeah. one that I just absolutely love. There's something so raw about her delivery too. It's, it just feels like she's kind of walking up to the mic and saying something. I think there's a lot of truth that spits out from there. Lori was going to come to a show here. I know Lori relatively well. And I got sick. Because Lori doesn't live here. Right. She lives in Boston. Mm-hmm. And she was coming down. And we've tried like three times. And I talked to Lori at time. We text back and forth a little bit. Aww. And and I got really sick. And I feel I let a lot of people down because they were so excited about her coming. I was excited. Weren't you? Yeah. We've been trying so long. It'll happen. It'll yeah, happen. it'll happen too. It, you know, have you been to write with Lori? So I wrote with Lori here on one of her trips. Yeah. And I was just like Nervous. shaking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think we were actually talking a little bit about this um, before, but it's one thing to meet someone you look up to a lot. And then it's a whole other thing when they completely exceed all the expectations that you have. And she sat down and she was just so cool and kind and just like, such a sweet mom. She's like talking to her son on the phone right before we were riding and asking me about my story. And we just sat there and got to know one another. I love that when a writer really, it's like, I know we're here to like write a song, but like, tell me about your heart. I love that so much. And she was just everything and more I dreamed of that session would be. That song was very special to me. I like got my vehicle after, drove home, parked in front of my little place, like called my dad. I was like crying and we have this thing that we say it's a it's a good day to go for ice cream and so he'll go for like ice cream back at home and i i definitely had ice cream the day that i wrote with Lori mckenna it was pretty cool and Lori, if you're not familiar with Lori, she um is one of the love junkies first of all that um she wrote girl crush and uh, th- those three it's Lori, hillary Lindsay, and liz rose Liz also did one of these. It was fantastic, too. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Um, they write together. Lori also wrote Humble and Kind. Lori's written a bunch of songs. Um, and she's an artist herself, like it sings. But uh, yeah, we'll get that one soon, hopefully. So, And you mentioned Patty Griffin. I, I would run into Patty in Austin sometimes. That's so cool. Yeah, you, you a bit remind me of, of Patty. Like your Dang, style. That means a lot. <laughs> um, Larry, let's play something here. Um, this is Let Us Do Where You Are. Let's play a little bit of that. I'd stand in any ticket line, any mountain I would climb just to find my way to where you are. This might have been the first song I, I heard from you ever. It's cool. It's the one I sing back to you the most. Yes, I love that you do. <laughs> <laughs> Tanil opened up for me uh, at my comedy show this past weekend. And she was like, any requests from the crowd? And I was just sitting in the crowd. And I was like, where you are? <laughs> so she played it. She played it. Yeah. So what? tell me about that song. How long ago did you write that? Mm, let's see. Just over a year ago. Oh, so still relatively newish? Yeah, I think so. My my friends, Dan, Daniel Tashin and Keelan Donovan, and I were sitting at Big Yellow Dog. We all write for that publishing company. And, and Daniel had this really cool little kind of electric mandolin, and he was playing this beautiful little melody and Keelan was saying how true love is really represented by how long you'll stand in line for someone for anything and I was like that's such a good point and we just kind of went from there but I love this song yeah I do too it's a good one yeah it's a good turn let me hear a little more of that I would swim across the sea I would cut down so right now you, you have up um, you have the what the living room set is that what called living room sessions living room work types yeah living room work types right and it's all very acoustic stuff yes so how many of those songs are on that I mean, four okay so it's like where you are jersey on the wall mm-hmm. white horse yeah somebody's oh, somebody's daughter obviously um 
But somebody's daughter, you have up twice. It's you have two. You have the acoustic version and then the full, yes. full version, right? Mm-hmm. So you have those four. But what I was telling you was like, I'm so ready for like a bunch of music. It's, <laughs> like, and I'm a big fan. I tell you that all the time, and I'm not even embarrassed to tell you because I think if you enjoy what people do and they create, you should tell them. Means a lot. Um, and I, I remember the first time we met, we were in. Las Vegas. Yep. Not together. I don't even know if you knew who I was. Oh, definitely knew who you were. <laughs> this is uh, probably eight, six, seven months ago. Yeah. Man, it's only that. So uh, there was a party and it was after an award show. Is that what we were there for? Yes, I think so. The ACMs. And I walked up to this party because it was, are you CAA? I am. Okay, so am I. We have, so we have the same representation. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I go to this party where like my agents, are, my TV agents are CAA, my music agents are CAA. And so I um, go up to this party where they were, and they're like, yeah, there's some artists over here. You should say hi to some people. And they were like, Tennille Towns is over there. And I was like, oh, I'm the biggest Tennille Towns fan. And I walk up, and I'm like, hey, Tennille. And she was like, you don't know who I am? And I was like, yeah, you are. You're from Calgary. I was like, I know everything about you. I'm your biggest fan. I was like, fan. how do you know that? I was like, hello. It was so cool. Thank yeah, you for that. It was cool. And now hey, I'm going to play a little bit of, the, of Somebody's Daughter here, because this is your song right now. This is what yes. they call your single. This is correct. Yeah, here, let me play. How do they go along with you and pick a song that's going to be your first song? And what's that process like? Are you involved in that? Are you sitting in a room thinking about well, like what's going to be the first single? Definitely. For me, I'm such I love believing in the process of like envisioning what you want to happen and focusing on that. And for me, looking at the collection of songs, the message of what this stands for and what I kind of wanted to walk out with an introduction to people for was represented in this song to me and I'm really grateful that the people that I work with really listened to that and respected that. And we we all bounced around everybody's ideas. And and I'm grateful this one kind of stuck out for everybody. Is this the one that you wanted? Yes. Wow, rare that a new artist <laughs> yeah. has an idea and everyone agrees with it. I really do consider that a really uh, cool thing. So you grew up in Canada. I did. So are you from Calgary or from outside Calgary? Like where? I'm from Grand Prairie, actually. So it's like eight hours north of Calgary. Oh, you're not even from Calgary? No. Mm-mm. Oh, that's like a whole different state in, the, in America. <laughs> I just thought you were from Calgary. Oh, Alberta's close. Anything in Alberta, I'm like, yeah, that's where I'm from. But it's Grand Prairie. So it's, you know, a fairly small community and the wide open spaces, lots of sky, lots of fields. For most of the year, lots of snow. Yeah, lots of snow, huh? <laughs> yeah. We were in Michigan, and there was like a little bit of snow. It, yeah. it mostly, 95% of it melted. I was like, ooh, look at the snow. Just a little that's dusting. Like, that's like nothing for you, huh? Nothing, nothing. I mean, that's so cold and snowy. It is. It's like, I mean, I, I, it's a winter wonderland. I was just up there for Christmas, and it's beautiful. It It builds a lot of character for people up there because it's not always the most glamorous of circumstances shoveling and working outside in the cold and i think it brings people closer together a lot because yeah, you're stuck in the house all the time yeah, yeah you yeah, gotta you together. gotta make your own sunshine up there mm-hmm. so why move to nashville did you think about staying in canada and, and doing country music in canada what like what was the deal i did and i definitely got my feet wet putting things out in canada and touring and exploring that there's a really awesome community of Canadian country music family up there that I love but for me it was always sort of this crazy dream I did this songwriters workshop when I was 14 and one of the mentors was from Nashville 
And I had obviously heard of Nashville. I listened to the Grand Ole Opry with my grandparents and knew from all the liner notes. So this is where all the recording happened and the writing and just dreamed about it. And this mentor was like, we should come to Nashville and write sometime. And I was like, you can do that. Like we could just go there and write. And so shortly after that, my mom took me and made my first trip and she rented the car and drove me around to these writing sessions. And I fell in love. How old are you? 14. You're 14 and you're, you dro- you came to Nashville and drove around and wrote with people. Yes. How did you get rights at 14? From that mentor that, you know, wrote with me. He was mostly who I was writing with on that trip, but then he set up other sessions for us to go, go to. So I'll be forever grateful for that. And, and I went, we went and saw everything. We drove, I would make my mom drive up and down Music Row and I would just be like reading all the signs of these buildings. And we went to the Opry and walked around the Hall of Fame and it just lit this fire in me. I was like, I cannot wait to come back here someday. And I kept making trips back and forth from that point as much as my parents would let me skip school and, and come and take the time to take me. And, and I made probably seven or eight trips until I graduated and then before graduation, I sat my parents down and I was like, so my dad's a big outliers guy and believes in the 10,000 hours thing. And that was my pitch. I was like, I can't get my 10,000 hours, you know, working at this music thing if I'm going to go to university somewhere. So I didn't apply. And I came up with this plan where we visited junior high and high schools and spent 32 weeks in a motorhome driving across Canada and playing for kids. And it was like, the most awesome experience and made me fall in love with the road so much. I was like, okay, I'm in. And then when that tour wrapped, I decided that Nashville was where I wanted to land and go. And so my dad helped me drive. We loaded up my Tacoma and it was a 45 hour trip from Grand Prairie to Nashville. 45 hours. 45 hours. What's the, uh, when you cross Canada into the States, is that border tricky or no? tricky yeah i mean they press you a bit because i've done the mexico one yes <laughs> so i don't know what the canada america border is you gotta have your paperwork for sure but you can also just come visit for six months so initially i wasn't sure what it was like to be here and stay so my plan was just to come for six months and see and so we crossed the border though it was funny the, the guard at the border looked at my dad and was like so let me get this straight you're driving her all the way to nashville and you're dropping her off and you're flying home and you're leaving her there and my dad's like yeah, <laughs> like, that sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? But that's exactly what happened. So I stayed here and just, I mean, I loved it so much. I learned so much. I would go out to writer's rounds every night and just obsess over all my heroes and go sit in the Guitar Center forever and being completely intimidated and overwhelmed by the mass amount of talent in this town. And it just made me so hungry to go home and write a million more songs. I want to talk about that, going to writer's rounds just one second. Uh, Warby Parker? Mm-hmm. All right. So let me talk about Warby Parker for a second. I do have a mini pair of Warby Parker glasses. Warby Parker is a collaboration between four close friends. They were conceived as an alternative to the overpriced and bland eyewear that mostly you get today. They felt prescription eyewear should not cost you more than a plane ticket or a new iPhone. And that's why glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses, these lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. And for every pair that you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need. So you may be thinking, how can you possibly buy eyeglasses online? Because that's what I thought too before I did it. Well, Warby Parker's completely free home try-on program. You can order five pair of glasses online. They ship to you and you have five days to try them on. Show them around to your friends. Say, how do I look in this? And it's super easy. It's 100% free and really easy, right? It's so, so easy. Uh, 
you know, when you find a pair of glasses you like, go to warbyparker.com slash bobby. That's what you should do. Order your favorite pair, and they'll even call your doctor if you don't have your prescription handy. Warby, W-A-R-B-Y, warbyparker.com slash bobby to get started with a free home try-on. Warbyparker.com slash bobby. Uh, find your perfect pair of glasses. Okay, so you, you come to town, and you're going to writer's rounds, which means you walk into a place. It can be like the listening room cafe, or it can be the bluebird. It's just songwriters playing the songs they wrote. Most of the times, it's not the artists. This who, is true. Uh, when you would go to the writer's rounds, who did you see? And you would go like, it's so freaking cool that I can see this person play. Like in your early days of just going and like watching. Kaylin Smith. Kaylin's the best. One of the first ones we ever did. Yeah, Kaylin's a friend. She's so cool. And I would hear people like Kaylin Smith, Laura McKenna, Tom Douglas. I mean, Josh Keir, Gordy Sampson, all these guys like talk about what it was like when they first got to town and talk about showing up in this town with stars in their eyes and just this creative spirit and just keep plugging away at it and hear the story of how long it takes and, you know, their process. And that was always the most encouraging thing. Cause I was like, if they can sit there and play that song, that's like a number one on radio that they poured their whole heart into and tell me that you stick with it and it works. I was like, I, I'm going to do that. You know, it was really cool to hear them tell those stories. And so you did that a lot, huh? Uh-huh. Who, what's funny is people come to town and other people come to town around the same time because this town, there's always the new crew people coming in. It's like classes. Mm-hmm. And I've often talked to artists and songwriters about who came in their class because like in my class around the same time was Dan and Shay. They hmm. got together. I got on the radio. We kind of started at the same time. We, cool. we, we kind of have that. We're going through this together. Um, you know, we've even a bit Darius because we were both doing pop and rock stuff and we both crossed so we've done a bunch of stuff together i love that so who moved to town around the time you did that you kind of would see and you were starting out around the same point that's a good question uh there's definitely a crew of canadians that i would like knew from back home well not even canadians but anybody but even like you come to town and you you saw them starting out around the same time kaylee hammock um cassie ashton and let's see who else my friend madison kozak um and when was that when did you come to town let's see Five years ago now. Okay. That's a, I mean, a little after when I got here. Cool. We're almost in the same class. We're almost in the same class. <laughs> almost. What? Uh, almost, uh, not fully. <laughs> so uh, you come to town and you start just kind of grabbing friends, right? Anybody that will be friends with you. All, yeah. You know, you're just searching for people to write with, to hang out with. Yes. And that's a weird thing. It's almost like going to a new school. It is kind of like going to a new school. And I think what's interesting about Nashville is a lot of people are very much outside of their comfort zones away from their homes away from their families and they're like the friends that they grew up with the life that they know and it's like they're coming to pour everything they have into this craft and I think that's like such a common ground to really connect with people and it's like you're not alone in that you told a story on my show once about Shania Twain pulling you on stage is that right Yes. Well, you were a kid, right? Uh-huh. So you're a big Shania fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you go to a show. Were you sitting up front? So a whole bunch of my family went, but my mom and I ended up in the second row. And I had made a costume. Well, my mom actually had made a costume right before we drove. It's a five-hour drive to Edmonton to go see all these concerts. And she, like, glue-gunned this the yellow and red and orange stripes like the Miami concert DVD that I had obsessed a million times over. And I had the little yellow ponytail on top of my head and I made a sign with glitter on it that said, Shania, can I please sing with you? And so, I mean, I was singing at the top of my lungs to the whole show. I knew every word. And, um, 
she eventually like came around the security guard let me stand right up by the stage i was like this is the best day of my life and um she like passed the mic to this girl a few seats down let her sing some lines and then kept walking towards me and i, was, I thought maybe she's going to do the same thing but instead of like reaching out of the microphone she stuck her hand out and so i like threw the sign behind me <laughs> I grabbed her hand and we like ran around her stage. We had like three tiers to it. And I remember the floor was like the checker plate pattern. And I remember running kind of beside her, holding her hand and seeing her feet. And I was like, this is real. Like, this is real. And so we end up on this third tier and I'm looking out to this like black curtain because the lights are this crazy haze in there. And I can't see anybody, but I can hear the sound of what 18,000 people screaming feels like. And I was like, this is it this is everything I want to do. And I'm standing here next to my hero. And she asked me to sing a piece of a song by myself. So I sang the chorus of Honey, I'm Home. And really? Yeah. And then she, uh, and luckily you knew it all, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and you just at nine years old were so confident that you just nailed. Do you think you were a, a bit naive at nine? Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about any kind of fear at all. It was just straight love for it. And it, I'm so grateful that happened at that point in my life because that anchor always stuck with me. And it was like, no matter what kind of insecurities or things that happen as you keep growing up and start noticing what other people think or whatever happens, it was like, I had this fire in me that was like, no, no, no. I know what that feels like. And that's what matters to me. So you sing the song. Do you remember the crowd cheering? Mm-hmm. You do? Oh, yeah. You can still picture it? Oh, yeah. Very clearly. <laughs> because that's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. And what happens when you're done? So I finish... And she kind of smiles at me and shakes her head. And uh, she said something, and I told her she was beautiful and thanked her. And then I think she said something like, I should probably take you back to your mom or dad or something. It doesn't seem like you really need one, though. And then, like, <laughs> walked me back down. And every time I'm at a show and I see someone, like, pulls a kid out of the crowd, it, like, brings me right back. It's like, that is powerful, you know? You just never forget something like that. Have you seen her since? Yes. Oh, you have? I just got to run into her at a billboard event mm, less than a year ago. And uh, I walk in the room and she was presenting this award. And it was like kind of like a small, it was at a hotel. And she got up there and was presenting this award. And I was standing there and I'm going, I'm in the same room as Shania Twain at an industry event in Nashville. Like, oh, I, I was there too. You were there too? Yeah, I was there too. He, yes, and she was up, She was talking, now that you say that it was downtown at a hotel. Yeah, it was at downtown at a hotel. Yeah, and right. I, it just hit me that it was like, I mean, I didn't even sneak in. Like, I was like invited <laughs> to go. And, like, and uh, she finished her, you know, giving out her award and everybody was kind of mingling and someone kind of grabbed my arm and introduced me. And I mean, I could barely speak. Thank goodness the other person was like telling part of the story for me because I was so just looking her. at her. Yeah. And I was just like, thank you. And I actually have a picture of it. And so I showed her. She's like, is that you? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so we got a new picture and it was just the craziest full circle moment. It's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> it's also too, we, you know, we mentioned at the first of the show or, the, or whatever this is, the podcast, yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> it's always weird to meet people that you really look up to or admire their work or you think are cool because they almost can't get cooler. Yes. It's so hard for someone. And I've had the struggle with wanting to meet my heroes. Mm. Like David Letterman's been my hero forever. Like Howard Stern, like these guys. It's like if I meet them, there's almost no way they're going to be cooler than I already feel they are. So I've always been like, eh, I probably won't want to meet them. (laughs) Because if Shania had been terrible. That's very true. Or sick. 
True. Or, or just an off day or just an who off knows. Day. It would have probably, you know, tainted at least your thoughts of her now. But I don't think it it could ever touch what what happened. happened. I agree. Agree with that. I think I would just be like, no, that that just stays in this special special glass box or something. You have a picture of you on stage with her at all? Nine years old? Mm-hmm. You have that picture? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's cool that you can still remember it. <laughs> you know why we have the picture? Because these ladies who we didn't even know that were sitting beside us snuck a disposable camera into the concert because you weren't allowed to bring cameras. Mm. And so they like passed the camera to my mom and the fiddle player took it up on stage and they were like, we're her aunties. And we had like just met them an hour ago. And then we got their address and they sent us the film roll from this disposable wow. camera Is after that right? the show. Isn't that cool? That's really cool that they went through all of that yeah. to get somebody they didn't know. Totally. That, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, let's see what else. I, I'm just trying to think through all my fan club stuff I have of you because I'm, I'm, your, I'm pre- basically the president <laughs> of your fan club. I appreciate that so much, Bobby. Whenever you played the Opry, and it was your first time to play the Opry, you basically brought your whole town, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like you went to because I remember seeing on on um, maybe the paper did something like uh, that. The, what's it called? The national the tennis Tennessee the Tennessee, Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember like. 10,000 people all dressed exactly the same <laughs> coming off an escalator well, and then you go into the right so how many people did you bring from your hometown to watch you play there were 140 seats on a 737 airplane so that's how many people came that's crazy it's insane Bobby how many people came 100 140 people I don't know 140 people <laughs> yes you do and so they all from your hometown yeah bought a ticket and came to support you and watch you at the Opry yeah it's insane. It's so incredible. And like, they always used to joke, I'd play songs around the campfire. I mean, these people would show up to all kinds of different local who are events. These, people, though? these are like people I call auntie who are not my auntie. Yeah. Like, these are like family, friends, super close, just people that have been a part of this adventure from the beginning. I used to sing the anthem at our local hockey games as this little kid. And these people would be like, they just started to get to know me from there. And then all of a sudden, we we do a big event in my hometown called Big Hearts for Big Kids, and 600 people show up every year for our youth shelter, and it's one of the most incredible things I've ever been a part of. And those people are all family to me, and that those are the ones who came. And they just, it's who they are. They show up. They show up every time, and they have my whole life. And seeing them come off that escalator was like the most, I can't even put it into words, but it's like the biggest hometown hug I could have ever dreamed of. And Standing up there on that Opry stage was, I mean, such a legendary moment for me that I'll never forget. But sharing that with them and being like, hey, we we did this together, you know, because their belief is a big part of the reason that I'm here. And yeah, it means the world to me. What are you thinking when you're standing in the circle on the Opry and you're about to play and, you know, they say... Because I've, I, you know, I've done it. It's, it's really great because they go, they, you walk it. There's no, it, it's not like a cool intro where they open the carpet. It's it's so old school, which <laughs> is what's cool so about old it. School, like yeah. while they're doing a commercial for Cracker Barrel, you just walk out there. <laughs> That's you know? so true. It, there's not like flames and it, <laughs> it's not like Tennille Towns. And <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden you come up from a, you know, something under the stage. He's, you know, he's going, and don't forget, four ninety nine at Cracker Barrel, get a, a mean three. And you're just walking out while that's happening. And for me, I'm not. I'm not talented in the way that you are. I'm. Just, I'm going well. I gotta go out and you know do some jokes, play some songs. But for you, you're going out there. You, you're such an emotional performer. You're such an emotional person. Mm-hmm. 
I just wonder what's going through your head when not only are you playing the Opry for the first time, my first time, I don't want anybody there. I told everybody, don't come. It was the opposite of you. Remember that, Mike? I, I told everybody on the show. You told them not I to said, come? I said, don't come. Yeah. Some people still came, but I made everybody not come. I'm the opposite of you in almost every way. I forgot about that. Yeah. I sent an email out. I said, don't come to my first Opry show because this, I'm scared of what's going to happen. So it was the opposite of you. So you get out there and all your people are there. I'm assuming there was like this big pop roar. Like, ah, right? Yes, yes. What are you thinking before it starts? So someone told me right before I walked on, Sally with the opera, she's like, make sure you take one big breath. She's like, because you'll remember everything better if you like actually physically breathe it in. Because you'll never get the first time again. And I was like, okay, got it. And so right as the band started and I was walking on and... um. I stopped before I entered the circle, took a deep breath, and like saw my hometown. I knew what section they were in. I was like, there they are. And I just like walked in that circle. And I actually got to walk in the circle before the show, which I'm really grateful for because I bawled my face off. So if I hadn't have done that, it would have been really hard to sing, I think. So I got to sort of walk in the circle, have my emotional moment. And for me, that moment was like, spiritual. Like there's, it just feels like there's angels in that place. Like this is the, this is the place, the birthplace of so much history of country music and so much of the foundations that I get to walk on as a new artist are because of, you know, the hard work and the persistence and the creativity and the being different that so many people before me have come and paved. And standing there for me was like just evidence of that. Did you do good? I was a little shaky on the first one, I yeah. will admit. But I played Jersey on the Wall second, and I feel like I got it together at that point. That one felt felt stronger. Did you? Because I didn't see anyone's faces. It was blurry to me. Yes. I, and I looked in the crowd. I just was like, "Oh my goodness!" And so I just went. Yeah. I didn't really. What did you see out there? Just silhouettes of where people were sitting. I couldn't see faces either, and that's probably a good thing too. But it's it's big. There's yeah, a lot of big. people out yeah, there. Yeah, it's a few thousand people. It uh-huh. isn't. It's tall. Yeah. Now, like, every, I mean, I probably played it. 10 times or so now. So cool. But like the second time through the 10th time, I can see people's faces now. Which You I can? Oh, yeah. Yes, because you, one, you've done the first one. Yeah. And okay, that's one, good to know. And it's always a build because you're like, oh my goodness. Right. It, it then starts to be a, you just owe it to that institution to do a good job. It's, yeah. it's more about that place than it is you now. Yes. The first the time. The switch has happened. Absolutely. The first time it was just about me. I was like, oh my God, I'm doing this. Right. Uh, and for me, it was... Um, the Ray Stevens is the Jerry Clowers, the, wow, the, the comedy yeah. country guys who had done that, you know, and even because I like you listen to that with my grandmother. That's, that's how I was exposed to it. It wasn't that I was like looking for the Opry as yep. a 11 year old, mm-hmm. but she would listen to it. And my grandmother adopted me and raised me for a long time. And it was cool to me because of her. And then it became cool to me because of me. That's so cool. But for forever, it was just cool to me because of her only. And so, hmm. you know, we would listen to and that's why it was cool to me to do it was because of my grandmother. Yeah. And so, but then I'm going to tell you, it starts to be cool because then it's not about you. It's only about it. Mm-hmm. And I see people's faces. And, you know, for me as a comedian, I mean, I'm a, sort of a comedian. Um, <laughs> yes, you're a comedian. What are you talking about? That's not, okay. For me as someone who does comedy, we'll say that. Okay. Uh, the the audience of the Opry is so diverse. There mm-hmm. there are some young people, but there are also some really old people. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to play to a crowd that you really can't pinpoint exactly what they're wanting. <laughs> right. Because so, it's hard to tell jokes to someone who's over 80. Because a lot of the 
stuff that you would talk about like in, in tech, like Instagram or pop mm-hmm. culture. And it's hard to tell jokes to 12-year-olds. Right. And so you have this, because the opera is all ages. Yes, that's a good point. It's, it's that's the a very toughest diverse crowd audience. that I've ever had to do is the opera. I yeah. like doing it the most. The last time I went, I bombed out. I bombed hard. It was the worst. It was, what? It was my worst. Because I go up and I have my guitar and I was going to do, I think I had 12 minutes. Okay. And I was going to do um, like two partial songs and then we're going to kind of blend in. You've seen my show, so yes. songs kind of blend in and out of it. Uh-huh. My guitar falls apart as I'm walking out of there. And I don't know it, but my like my nut falls out where you plug. No. It, it, I heard something go clink, clink, clink. And I was like, what? I don't even know what it was. So I walk out there and my guitar's broken. And I go to like plug it and nothing Oh it's no! Playing. And it throws me off completely. I'm the only instrument that plays because yeah. I'm only playing my guitar. Oh shoot! My whole set is weaving in and out of these songs, and I'm like, oh. And I was just like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and I look over, and Sally's over at the side, and I'm like, I'm. De- I kind of bombed it pretty hard. It, it was my. Uh, that wor- sounds like a, a circumstance more than it does. <laughs> For sure, but still, we have to control our circumstances. Mm-hmm. In it's our, true. In our life and our career, they, bad circumstances always it. come. Yeah. It's not if, it's when, and how you adjust to it. And I think I did okay. But I left going, oh man. You ever have a performance where you go out and you just walk off and you're like, that was not good? Definitely, yeah. There's lots of those moments. And I think we're harder on ourselves than anybody, you know? It's like, but I definitely magnify certain things. In fact, um, at our last show, I was like, he introduced me, the radio person there, and he was like, and it's Neil Townsend. I like walk out and I'm waving. And I drop my guitar pick like right there, and I was like, "Well, I'm gonna bend over and pick up my guitar pick right now." It's like not the most graceful entrance, but it's all part of it, you know. I guess we just that's learned. not messed up. You dropped your guitar pick. A bit more. Oh, there's plenty, plenty of other things. There's been lots of lyric things, lots of. Yeah. You know what I've noticed about messing up, and not just in music or radio, but just in life. If you don't acknowledge the fact that you're messing up, most people don't know. Yep. Most people don't care. They're just there to watch. They, yep. And also it's, you know, I wrote about this in my last book where I would, and I, and I kind of made the analogy to hot yoga. You ever do yoga at all, ever? A little bit, okay. not a lot. Well, I would go to these classes and I would be so worried because I was doing everything wrong. Because I was doing everything wrong. And I didn't know how to do it. I was so new to all these moves. They would be like, okay, now for the balasana. And I'd be like, what is that? And what's the difference in balasana and falasana? And so they would, be, they would be saying all these things and I was doing them wrong and I was struggling and I knew everybody was staring at me. Mm-hmm. And... I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to go back a second time. But I went back a second time, and I got a little better. And then I realized as I got to be okay at it, I wasn't looking at anybody else. No one was ever looking at me. Right. We don't even, we're, we're not looking at people really near as much as we think people are looking at us. Such a good point. It, I mean, I, I think, like, when's the last time I saw somebody botch a speech or something at work? And I've seen it, but I don't remember it. And it's <laughs> like, I don't even care. You move on. Yep. So I try to give myself that grace when I screw up that people aren't sticking with it. Yep. They got things in their life they're worried about. And it's about. the grace that you give to other people. Yeah. 100%. Nope, yeah. The, those opera goers gave me grace that night. That oh, was, I'm, I'm quite certain they I'm loved it. Butchered that one. Don't uh, you worry. Let me talk about Dollar Shave Club for a second. So, what I love about Dollar Shave Club is they have everything I need to look, feel, and smell my best. My bathroom is basically a Dollar Shave Club bathroom. What I love even more is that I never have to go to the store because one Dollar Shave Club delivers everything that I need right to my door. And two, they keep me fully stocked on what I use so I don't run out. It works like this. Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to get ready no matter what you're getting ready for. They have you covered head to toe for your hair, your skin, your face, you name it, they have it. And they have this program where they automatically keep you stocked up on the products that you use. You determine what you want and when you want it and it shows right up to your door. And you get it once a month, get it once every six months. You know, the toothpaste is something that I love. You know, uh, it comes to me, what, every two, maybe three months, 
So it's not like you use toothpaste a lot, but when it's time to change it, I always have a problem with that. I always forget to go back and get the next, and I'm always like squeezing at the very bottom of the tube. That doesn't happen with Dollar Shave Club. Right now, they have a bunch of starter sets you can try for just five bucks, like their oral care kit. After that, the restock box ships at regular size prices. Right there, regular size products. So what are you waiting for? Get your starter kit for five bucks. DollarShaveClub.com slash bones. DollarShaveClub.com slash bones. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short-sleeve moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Tacovas.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, how do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. So you read Outliers? You mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. Have you read the book? Yes. Fantastic, right? It's very, very cool. You, the 10,000 Hours is one that I think a lot of people talk about where it's a Malcolm Gladwell book. And a lot, a lot of my friends have read it at this point. But it's, you have to do something for 10,000 hours to be proficient at that. There were parts of that book, though, too, that stuck with me was, do you remember the, the airline part, the pilot part where they talk about why airplanes crash in other countries more than America? 
Yes. That, so what happens is, and you mentioned that in it, it's what happened, and I would recommend that book. To, Mike, you read the outlier? I read it, yeah. Where other cultures don't speak to their uh, supervisors, their, their, the people above them, in a disrespectful way. And they talk about these pilots in other cultures and uh, in like um, like Japan. We'll use that yep. as an example. If the the guy in the tower goes, hey, you need to go you know, up 10,000 feet right now, they would just do it instead of going, no, I don't think that's right. And then in America, they're like, mm-hmm. you're wrong. I don't need to do that because I'm in the middle of the storm right now. And, hmm. and it's Yeah, not- okay, this is coming back to me. That, you remember that, Mike? Yeah. I, mean, I probably butchered that because it's been so long since I read it. Didn't that have something to do with like, the tone of voice, too, or something? All of it. Yeah. In some wow. cultures, they res- you know, if it's a respected position, you respect it no matter what. Yeah. Right. Regardless of your circumstance. But in like Western culture, if you respect your person unless they're an idiot or they don't know, and you then you speak go, up. yeah, then you go, no. Yep. That's not. So, yeah, that, I should read. You ever read a book again and again? All the time. What's the book you've read the most over and over? Mm, probably Brene Brown, Daring Greatly. Yeah? Yeah. I'm reading a book from her right now. It is... I, I think her work is fascinating. Right? And she t- uh, talks about vulnerability. I mean, yes. that's, that's really her thing. Study of vulnerability and shame Oh, that's, that's, shame that's what I'm on right now. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's on the, uh, the speech about the man in the arena. And it's oh, not yeah. the critic that counts. I love that. It's yeah, The man in the arena is... There are a lot of people that will say things to you about what you're doing and tell you you're doing good or bad, but it's not what they're saying that matters. It's people that have also been in the arena and understand it. Yes. Because I think we're in the business of, we have a lot of critics telling us... A lot of cheap seats. Yeah, what's good, what's not. Mm -hmm. But, and I I mean, it's funny because you and I had this talk as we were flying back from from Michigan, and it was like, man, you just keep your head down and keep doing what you do. Yep. Because what you do... And why I like it so much, why I'm drawn to it is it's, it's distinct. And to be distinct, you're different. And to be different, people are going to have different feelings about you, some good, some bad. Because nothing that comes in and is different is universally loved at first. Mm-hmm. People have to be taught to love something. That's cool, yeah. That's a good way to say it. And so, and I think that's what I, what I really enjoy about your, it is different. It's very different. And I can see how some people will be like, what, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah. But people have had to go, hey, what's happening here to everything that's ever been awesome? Mm-hmm. Like nothing awesome has ever come and everybody just goes, oh, this is new and way different. I'm just going to accept it and love it. Yep. And there are things that I have not been like, I don't really understand that. And then I go, oh, wow. Okay. It is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But I like that about, you know, about, about what you do. Even when you play live, like there's a real, you go, this is what happens when you play live. First, I'm like, what's she doing? <laughs> huh. <laughs> She's a little different. She. <laughs> it took me a second, but then I'm like, okay, I'm, I love it. Like, uh, let's play a little bit of cool. White Horse while, while I'm talking about it. Does it ever get to you? Like, does it ever wear on you that you're just a bit different and sometimes it takes people a while to get it? I mean, Yes. There are moments where I get super, like, zoomed in on some things, like, in the weeds about it in my head, about thinking about it. But honestly, my love for it just outweighs the voices most of the time. And I'm grateful for good people around me that keep that perspective in check. And I just want to do my thing. I love playing for people so much. Really? It's my favorite thing to do in the world. And every time I get to do that, it's like, okay, this is what this is for. And so no matter what... 
people think or say or it doesn't matter because someone came up to me after the show and told me about a story in their life that connected to one of the songs and that's it for me if it's one person one person that's that's what matters hmm i believe you is the thing i think you would be okay playing music and getting by because just getting by playing music is actually thriving it is thriving to me and don't get me wrong i mean Oh, yeah, you'll be rich. You'd love to be rich. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't yeah, I, 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 I dream really big, and yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. love to do all those things. But at the end of the day, that's it. That's that's the bottom line for me. I've, I don't think I've ever heard you say a curse word, because I don't curse. Do you curse? No, not very often, no. You don't say any curse words in your songs, do you? Mm-mm. Is that a thing where you don't, like, purposefully? If someone suggests it, like, hey, let's, let's put an mf in here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever oh, yeah, actually that, suggested that. Has that ever happened? Oh, oh. Uh, but I feel like it's just not the... I guess I just write the way I talk, and that's not really things that I say very often. I had to change up the way I talk. Meaning, Me? I did curse a lot. Really? And I started to go, I'm creating in this years. I haven't said a curse one in probably three years or so at all. Not, not wow. Once. Now it's just a game, right? But I would just <laughs> curse. But then I would go on the air, and I would write books and, and kids' songs and songs, and I didn't curse at any of that. And at times, when I'd be creating, I'd go, oh, you know, it fit really here. Uh the F word. Amazing. <laughs> so I stopped. Cur- I just eliminated it from my creation. That's meaning, cool. Because if you're not thinking and doing it, it doesn't even pop up in the other part of it. So I yep. felt like it was best for how I was writing and creating mm-hmm. to just never curse ever. And now when people, now people will curse around me. They go, oh, I'm sorry. Like, oh, I'm a big boy. <laughs> I've heard them before. Yeah. I, I feel the same. I'm like, that's okay. I mean, people do that to me when they drink, because I don't drink, right? And people will... Uh, I'll be like, ooh, I shouldn't drink around you. I'm like, no, no, please drink around me because you're not that fun unless you're drinking. You know? <laughs> so do, do people know you don't curse? Mm. Do they do the thing where like, ooh, I'm sorry. Sorry to know. Yeah, sometimes they do. And it's like, it used to be because I was maybe the youngster around and they're like, they would be like, oh, sorry. But I don't know. I haven't heard that in a while though. I just, I guess it's like, just want people to show up and be who they are. And if that's part of the language and who they yeah. are, then I love them for it. So There are some people I enjoy their cursing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're way funnier when you curse and drink. Like, please, <laughs> please, please only curse and drink. <laughs> we, were, um, we were on the plane flying back and Tanil out of nowhere pulled out this humongous bag of popcorn. <laughs> She's like, we, she had one backpack and it was completely full. <laughs> and pretty still, much just popcorn yeah, in there. Yeah, still she found a big bag of popcorn. I, I guess it was only popcorn in her backpack. And so, uh, yeah, that's what you said. You always have popcorn. I do. I love white cheddar popcorn. I just, I really like snacks. I like baking things. And you like baking things or baking things? Baking. Oh, yeah. yeah like cookies. You're, you're like a grandmother instead of a 20 I actually am. I love cribbage. This is my favorite card game to play with my grandfather. I've never played cribbage. It's very fun. What is that? It's like a counting math card game with a board where you move your little pegs all the way around. Mm-hmm. It's very much a grandma game. <laughs> you're like an old soul. I have heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at you. Um, when you moved to town, where'd you live? Like what part, like not what your address, but what kind of place did you live in? Very Hill. Like was that? Is that like a? Do you have a house, apartment? I was renting a little garage that was turned into a loft of sorts, and so fell in love with Sam Zoe's coffee shop over there and Baja Burrito, and and there's a bunch of music studios over there, and I got together and got to do some demos over there, but mostly about that spot, it was really cool to be by myself for the first time in my life, and. I spent so many hours, like I'd go out and see a show and then I'd come home and write 
And I mean, when I first got here, I wanted to write every single day with whoever and anyone that I could write with, but it kind of takes a while to build up people that you can fill your days with and go write songs with. And so a lot of that time I was just writing songs by myself. And I feel like something happened in that very first place that I lived in here. And it was, it, it just like my whole voice changed and shifted for the first time. And it was like, I started to kind of get in step with who I was at a different level or something and started really writing things. You know, I had been writing songs since I was 14, but I think at 19, that was sort of like, okay, there was a switch that was happening, probably being influenced by this community and just learning so much from soaking it in, but mostly from just digging in myself, I think. I want to play some of Jersey on the Wall, and you came on the show, and you played this, and my people, were they loved it. I mean, it was, and this story is, is like from something that happened, and you went to the school afterward, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what happened? So I was touring a bunch of schools, and I visited this little community. It was like on an island. We had to take a two-and-a-half-hour ferry to get there, like 4,000 people, super small town. And I show up to play this school, and it's like you can tell that the oldest kids are looking out for the youngest kids, that everybody's grown up together, you know, small group of kids, and there was something different about this school. And I had seen a lot of them up to this point. I was like, wow, this is pretty amazing. And it stuck with me. And and I played a community show that night. And then the teacher brings me back to the little inn that I was staying at and sits me down and tells me that there had been a car accident a few months prior with five kids from the high school, four of which I had been hanging out with all day and had no idea what they had just been through a few months before. Um, and one of them, her name was Danielle. She was the star basketball player, valedictorian, had just graduated with a full ride scholarship and she was killed in this fluke wreck. And so I sat there and like wept with this teacher, even more so moved by this community and everything they'd been through and kept in touch really closely with them. And Miss Ward is the teacher's name and her and her and I worked it out that I got to go back to the school for their graduation the following spring. And there was like 20 of them graduating, the whole town piled in the gym. And I'm sitting at the back and the graduation ceremony's happening and Danielle's parents get up there and they give their daughter's honorarium scholarship to Zoe, who was also in the car. And so there's not a dry eye in the gym. And I sat there as this kind of removed person from the situation looking around and on the wall was Danielle's jersey. And I looked at the numbers and I was like, these are the things I have a lot of questions for God about. And in that moment, it was kind of like, I think it's okay to have those questions. And I think there's healing in the conversation itself, whatever that means. And um, that moment in that gym stuck with me. And I came back to Nashville. And shortly after that trip, one of my best friends from home lost her little brother. And it put me back in that same place. And so I showed up in this writing room with Gordy Sampson, Tina Parole, told them this whole story and like unloaded this concept and the song just kind of found its way to us in a really crazy way that day and we looked at each other and when it was finished it was like okay this is the song that was meant to be here today so i'm very grateful for this song here's some of a jersey on the wall from Tina. if i ever get to heaven you know i got a long list of questions like i a snowflake are you angry when the earthquakes how does the sky change in a minute 
How do you keep this big rack spinning? Why can't you stop a car from crashing? Forgive me, I'm just asking. Mm, so good. Yeah, such a good song. Thanks. Do you tell that story every time you play this, like an acoustic show? When you, every you time play the I song? can, yeah. yeah. Sometimes it, there isn't time for it or it's not the right atmosphere for it, but if, if there is, it's always an honor to get to tell that. You're going out with Dirks, and you're going to do a full band show. I haven't seen you play the full band. I'm yeah, so I've only excited. ever seen you play it by yourself, and it's like always awesome. <laughs> Thank you. But, uh, so you're going out with Dirks. You're going to open up that whole thing, huh? Yeah, I'm freaking out. I'm so excited. How many songs do you play? Do you know? Six. And so do you have it down? Because you, you have, what, 15, 20 minutes? 25 minutes. Oh, you have 25? Wow, that's pretty good. 25 is yeah, pretty good. For crazy, first, right? Yeah. yeah. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> wow. I know. I'm thinking the same thing. Wow, 25. Uh-huh. I was going 20, like, maybe. But wow. So have you timed it? In, mm-hmm. in, you get, I mean, 2450-something was the last run through. So we gotta, we get, we're going to tighten it a little bit more so we got some breathing room. You can't go over. Can't go over. Not no. even like 10 seconds. Mm-mm. Don't go, because it's bad form. Mm-hmm. Would Dirks or Brothers Osborne get mad at you? Probably not if you go over like a minute. <laughs> but you don't. Like, that's I a do rule. not want to go over no. Once the guys from Rascal Flats, I think the last time they came in the show, they came in and I asked them about the, the Eric Church urban legend that he would play over his shows and they ended up kicking him off tour. And it's true. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So he would come and he'd take the whole stage. You remember when they came yeah. in? And, and as an opener, you only get part of the stage. And he would go over and he would go out and do... <laughs> yeah, so he ended up... Yeah, quote, That's a good quote, story, unquote, Leaving like the tour. That. Wow. And then he they would go to cities on that tour. I think maybe they ended up putting Taylor on there too afterward. Like some other artists came in after him. Maybe it was, it was Taylor, Taylor, yeah. Was it? And so... Um, Flats would go in, up to cities on the tour, and he would go to the same cities and play it at a bar beside them. <laughs> no so, way. Yeah. That's so crazy. Their joke is, you know what? He ended up okay. Yeah, he <laughs> certainly did. I but love cool. that. He had 25 minutes to go and play. And uh, the, the, the Darks, the Darks, not the crew. I, I mean, Darks is a friend of mine, but um, like the people that go to Dark shows, that's a good, it's a good crew of people because they're, it's a good, fun crew, but it's not like. I've been to some artist shows where they're just, they go to get wasted and just wiped. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, some of the shows you go to, they're like, people just go to get hammered. Uh-huh. And, but it, the Dirks, it's a good crowd at the Dirks show. You're That's like, cool. I'm so happy for you. That's Thank really cool. Thank you. It yeah. means a lot. I'm so, so excited to get out there and we get to start back up in Canada. So that's going to be pretty cool playing these, you know, bigger city arenas that I used to drive to as a kid and watch a bunch of shows. So I can't wait for that. And it's going to be a pretty awesome rest of the year i'm excited to get to know those to get to know dirks's crew i've heard so much about them i'm excited to learn from all of that the um you're gonna go play these shows what are they gonna uh, i was gonna nah, who cares about my advice but you know what what do you got i don't yeah, remember i don't me. know i was thinking about something opening act advice i'll take it no just don't go over you know that <laughs> don't though. go over yeah how was opening for miranda and little big town pretty cool a dream yeah yes it was like I mean, I love their music so much and getting to know them as people and seeing how authentic that music is to them as people was like the coolest thing and watching how people believe that, you know, like it, it's like powerful. I I stood in different spots and watched the show every single night. It's like if I got to be, it was like I was a little kid all summer long because yeah. as a kid, if you could have said you could pick your dream tour and go follow every single show and pack a bag, I would have just died. And so 
I had so much fun. I loved it so much. They're That's just cool. the sweetest people. I learned a lot. Yeah, there's a Kimberly Schlappman one of these. I've listened to that and one. And a Karen one. Both, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess we don't care about the guys, do we? <laughs> that's not true. I do want to get the guys up here. No. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Okay, uh, let's do a round of this or that. What do you say with her? Let's do it. Before we, um, before we jump out of here. Uh, this or that. Tim Hortons or Starbucks? Tim Hortons. Really? You know it. <laughs> Very, very Canadian. Yes, thank uh, you. What do you call it? Because I have two options here, but I don't want to give them. But what do you call the thing you put on your head that keeps you warm? Toque. You call it a toque? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was going to say beanie or toque, but I call it a toboggan. See, that one's strange to me. That's what you like roll down the hill on. Okay, but you don't have to only assign words to one thing. I guess that's true, but but yeah, toque. 100%. In Arkansas, it was a toboggan. But you call it really? a toque. Really? Yeah. In Arkansas, it's a toboggan, huh? Mm-hmm. A hoodie mm. or a bunny hug? A bunny hug's a thing? Yeah. I did, I've never heard about a bunny hug. A definitely hoodie. What's a bunny hug? Like a hoodie, yeah. Yeah. Really? I, how about in Canada? Was it your electric bill or your hydro bill? Mm, electric bill. Uh, U.S. or metric system? Metric. Oh, yeah? My GPS still speaks in kilometers here. I can't. You don't want to go to Mm-mm. miles? Mm-mm. What, what Everything if, makes so much more sense. It's like zero oh, to hundred. For sure, the metric system is the real way to do it. Yes, but I. But now you have, you're in Rome. When in Rome, switch over. No, I know. I'm stuck. I can't. Um, do you say <laughs> what, what do you say for the carbonated beverage that has a bunch of sugar in it? Pop. Okay, so soda, pop, or coke, and you say pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, hockey or football? Hockey. Yeah. Yep. Did you? Ever I don't play? play. No, but I say the anthem, so I always got to go to the games. What do you put on when you go to sleep? Like, what are the things called you put on when you go to sleep? PJs. Okay. That's not one of the options here, but... <laughs> <laughs> pajamas or what's that? Pajamas. 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 Pajamas? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you um, say pajamas? What do you say? I, I don't know that I ever say that word unless I'm playing this game. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I ever just talk about... When I was doing Dancing with the Stars, we, that was a big hot topic. And everyone is from everywhere on that show. Right. And not just America. You know, my partner's from Australia. Mm-hmm. We have people from all of the continents that are dancing. And um, it was, yeah, I mean, you have a bunch of people. I think that one of the coolest things for me about doing stuff like that and a lot of the other stuff that I get to do outside of country music is meeting all the people. It's like touring. Hmm. When you go on the road, you're not just in your little circle of yep. like-minded, even like-cultured people. And it really, it really opens you up. It does. It's like... There's just so much of the world out there. And so much that I didn't know about people that I didn't know. And you go, oh, I just wasn't right about a lot of things. Wow. I love hearing that. That's cool. That's what really opened me up because you only know what you know. Yes. And you only know either what you've been taught or what you chase. Hmm. And sometimes you don't even know what to chase because you haven't been taught to to chase the right things. And so the exposure to things has been the greatest teacher for me. And the exposure makes me then chase things. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as you talk about touring and being in front of people, I feel that way too. And that's one of the reasons I like going on the road is because I go to Michigan. We went to Michigan together. I go to Michigan and, you know, I talk to people who they live in snow half the year and their accents are different. But yet what we have in common is still like this humanity. And you go, okay. And in Michigan, it's not so different. There are times where I go to El Paso, to Boston, Mm -hmm. to... Mm -hmm. And everybody's a little bit different, but the, the thing in common, there's always this, this humanity that everyone has in common. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's so really, true. And We're it's, more alike than we think we are. Mm-hmm. And then when I go and I hang out with people from other countries, 
Again, and I wouldn't do that in the country music world. I only do that because I'm off doing these television shows. Right. And I'm like, oh. Like, they have different, complete different belief systems. However, the humanity part of it's always the same thread. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, we're so alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's the best. Yeah. And when you're talking about that kind of stuff, and that, that's kind of what strikes me. So, well, listen, I'm a huge fan. I'm glad you came up. Thank you. I'm this. such a big fan of yours, and it All really right. means a lot to have you. I mean that. Seriously, Bobby. Thank you. Uh, she'll be out with Dirks on the Burning Man tour. Uh, it starts January 17th. When you hear this, it could be a year from now. I don't know. But she may be off the tour. <laughs> She'll be headlining her own arenas by the time you hear this. But uh, you start in Ontario. Yeah. Which is like a state. It is. Yep. Ontario would be compared to like Texas. Correct. Yeah. I know that because I've Look known Canadians. I, used to, I dated Canadians. You know yeah. it. <laughs> um, you, you are, you've been put on the Opry next stage, 2019. I was having dinner with Sally from the Opry like six months ago. Hmm. And we were talking about you. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks. And she was like, we're doing this thing. Aww. I think, did I ever tell you that where I was like, it finally was announced. I'm so happy that you. No, yeah. I didn't know you knew. That's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, it's Tanil and Travis Denning, Riley Green and Tegan Marie. And so uh, that's a cool thing where you're doing a bunch of stuff with the Opry and they're doing like an exposure wait. program. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they're supporting a lot of the adventures of this year and. I think that means I get to play the opera a bunch, so I'm really excited. Well, your your family, all 140, they need to come back every time. <laughs> every <laughs> it's single not going to be the same if they're not here every time. Uh, let me also say this: that you can. Uh, by the way, when are you going to put out music, like a record? Do you know yet? Really soon. You, um, in 2019, though. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, in the oh, first yes. half of 2019, <clears throat> possibly. Possibly, I'm. We're still not sure on that part. Okay. But soon. Okay. Okay. I'm freaking out. I can't wait for you to hear more. I know. I know. And I <laughs> and I don't take music ever that's not out, so I would never listen. To, like li- right. So I'm put it out so we can all have soon. it together. Soon. Uh, let me recommend the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson. She talks about style and fashion and. A lot of women things I don't understand, right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, Amy, Amy Brown has a podcast called Four Things with Amy Brown, where uh, if you like Amy from the show, you'll love her even more because of this mm-hmm. podcast. So that's up to, let me uh, check that out. So uh, there you go. And I think we're going to wrap it up. Tanil, always great to see you. So good to see you, Bobby. Thank you for having me. Check her out on social media at Tanil Towns, T E N I L L E T O W N E S. Tanil Towns. Thanks to our sponsors, Warby Parker and Dollar Shave Club. And that'll be it. Episode 149 of the Bobbycast. Thank you. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. 
Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.